And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsang with you on a Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Good morning. Good morning, Allison. Uh, much to discuss in Blue Jackets land. We'll get to a, a transaction, sort of a transaction, a player that's leaving the organization who played some games for them this year. We'll get to Columbus not being a hub city. Uh, But I think we should start with the rather sobering, and it was difficult to write. I can't imagine what it was like to talk about. Dan Fritchie opened up uh, to us, The Athletic, about the abuse, mental and physical, that he suffered during his junior hockey career uh, in Sarnia, the Ontario Hockey League franchise, the Sarnia Sting. Um, you, you've probably read Dan Carcillo's um, stories and, and ultimately a week or so ago, the, the beginning of a class action lawsuit with another player from the Western Hockey League. Well, Fritchie was a rookie on that same team with Carcillo and he, not that Daniel Carcillo needed someone to verify his claims, but Fritchie did uh, in, in uh, rather graphic detail. Um, Allison, you're, these stories are never easy to read. They're never because I, I think if you're a human being capable of empathy, you put yourself or try to put yourself in that player's situation. Um, your thoughts as you as you read, we we know Dan Fritchie. Fritchie's a, a Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick. He's a Cleveland, Ohio kid. Um, he's around. He's been around. Um, just your thoughts when, when it hits so close to home, a story like this. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts, right? I mean, I think that um, in some ways it, it shouldn't take that it's someone close to home for people to listen. Um, but there is also value that that can make people listen. Um, I, I think what struck me first right off the bat was when you said, you know, Dan Carcillo doesn't need people to verify his claims, but I think that there's real value in voices added um, to the chorus, not just to force the discussion more um, and, and disallow the, oh, it's just this one-off situation or it's just a couple guys, 
Um, but I also think that part of how we stop this is that we make it okay and safe and mm. actionable when people have these things happen to them. And so by one more person speaking up, that's one more turn of the dial to let those who are being abused in, in, in many, many ways and unfortunately many, many forms to perhaps feel that one notch closer to saying, I should speak up. I will have support. People will listen. People will care. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a big and important point. And it's the biggest, it's the biggest thing. So we're going to, we're hoping to have a sports psychiatrist on, on Tuesday's podcast. I think a lot of people are fascinated about this. How does this sort of thing take root? How does what seems so abnormal uh, to people reading this, to people who aren't in that situation, how is it normalized in the team culture with that team? Uh, and sadly, this isn't rare, Allison. You look, you look at the, at, I mean, you could go on, Catholic Church, Penn State, uh, the doctors, trainers at Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, it, USA Gymnastics, USA Hockey. This goes, this is not unheard of. Now, they're, they're, they're different. They're not all the same. But this sort of predatory, uh, sick, disturbing stuff, it seems to be part of the team culture. And I think the, the consistent thing here is the lack of oversight. And put another way, and, and you just touched on this very well, the players feel powerless to stop this. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, Dan Fritchie's a, a victim of circumstance. He, he knows this isn't right, but he, there's a part of him that's not sure people are going to believe him if he goes, if he speaks publicly. There's a huge part of him that knows he's going to suffer. His career might be ended. He might not be drafted if he walks away from the Sarnia stings. Sting. He feels stuck. And when you see how Akeem Alou was treated when he refused to be hazed with his team years earlier that sends a signal to players it's best if you want to do this you better shut up and just put up with it i think fritchy talking and to your point very well made it needs to be hammered home to people that there is that this is wrong and if you step forward and tell the world about it it will be handled Correctly, and I don't know that they feel like that's been the case because, frankly, honestly, historically, it hasn't been the case. A hundred percent. I mean, and, and this is crossing over into a different um, conversation, but, I mean, let's be real here. The head of USA Hockey called one of his players the N-word yes. and has not apologized. So, so how do you appreciate the leadership there or trust the leadership there to quote unquote, do the right thing. Um, I think too, what's, you touched on this, and I think this is a very important point, is it's, it's the, the carrot um, that these abusers hold that allow them to get away with things. It's the carrot of, I control your hockey career. I control your playing time. I control your path to Olympic competition. I control your path to the NFL. Every single, I control your path to an education. Um, I think that that 
is a huge thing that needs to be addressed um, as far as oversight. And I think that, um, I think back to the work, I mean, Katie Strang has done so many pieces on this, but I think back to her piece on, on the coach around the Chicago area. Um, and she outlines a big piece of how this happens and that's grooming. Um, it's not that someone comes in and overnight they're abused. Um, there's, there's building up trust. They're saying this is team. And so this safety net is created and then ripped away. So you're almost chasing back to that safety net because you feel like, well, yeah, there is this safety net. This is, this is important. This, this person cares, or this is a relationship. There's so much emotional grooming that goes into these situations before it happens. And it's systemic. And unless we have people who are willing to stand up and say no, and then people who hear it, look at Michigan state, look at how many blind eyes and blind ears they turned. Um, we all need to be better to, to, to make this stop. Yeah. And it's incredible to me. There, there are people in Boston who will not read the Boston globe because of quote, what they did to the Catholic church. Sure. Right. And it's still the mindset with so many people. I know there will be people who will read this and think of Dan Fritchie as the guy who quote, just couldn't handle it. Right. right. Well, this, this is just part of the deal. The, the, and this is this is to, to what we were discussing earlier. This is part of why this is so important for a voice to be added to Dan Carcillo, because if you pay attention to Dan's story, he knows he did unacceptable things both on and off the ice. And he is trying to atone for those and be better. But the minute he says anything, I mean, talk about never read the mentions, never read the comments, but there's always people who will excuse away his stories because of what he's done in the past. Um, It's, it's, I mean, look at what happened here with Ohio state a few years ago um, with an assistant coach versus what was right versus protecting Ohio state football. So um, we have, listen, these stories are uncomfortable and it's easier, I think, in some ways emotionally for us not to want to confront them and almost subconsciously say, I want to excuse it away so I don't have to face it. That's a horrible, awful thing. But we have to be willing to go into the uncomfortable. We have to be able to hear, see, feel the pain to help fix it. Yeah. And we, we, there's such a, you know, we, we laugh, used to laugh about it. Uh, hazing and fraternities movies were yep. made about the hilarity of this and oh boy i mean i think there's there's some stuff you know as fritchie said he's a rookie with the blue jackets and it's you pick up the pucks after practice right right, right. uh it's you pick up the the rookie dinner that's on you kid and we're gonna we might get an appetizer with that 80 dollars steak too right. i might have a second glass of wine because you're the rookie paying for it right these kind of things um get up off the training table if a veteran needs it even that's a little murky to me, but, but these are, these are sort of rites of passage, innocent sort of things. You start dipping into some of the stuff that just goes way overboard. And I just don't understand how uh, you mentioned that the players, it's just part of, it becomes this, this um, culture that they feel a responsibility sickly, oddly to uphold, but how a coach doesn't, doesn't see this and stop it immediately is just beyond me. And the coach in Sarnia then that, that um, both Carcillo and Dan Fritchie have referenced Jeff Perry, still coaching kids. He's an assistant coach. He's moved on and on. He's been investigated in at least two places for verbal abuse. Um, 
it's it's unconscionable to me that, that this guy still has reign over players. He's not a head coach and it's not a prominent league, but he's still he's still in charge of kids. Um, Allison, the part that really got me with with uh, Dan, of course, the overarching reason that and this is if you know Dan Fritchie at all, he is a he is a pretty reserved guy. Um, he's a man of few words, always was as a player. Um, he, this is not a comfortable place for him to be. Um, and, but the reason he's doing this is because he's got, he said he has three little boys now, two of them, five, they're twins. And another that was just born in March, the five-year-olds are playing hockey. And of course he's, a, he's the classic hockey daddy's like, listen, I know I'm biased, but one of my five years old, five-year-olds is just skating circles around kids that are nine years old. I mean, this kid, he's going to be something, you know, he's proud as proud as can be. He wants to make sure that the culture is changed, that light is shown on this before his kids and more kids, other kids go away to junior hockey, hopefully if they're good enough, um, and be sure that the culture is different for them. And I think this is a huge step for this. But the part that, that got to me was him saying he was the second on draft pick. He had a really good year in Sarnia that year. He thought he could have gone higher. What kind of player could he have been without all of this shit going on in the background? Mm-hmm. And he talks about sitting on the bus on the way to a game. And while he should be thinking about the game, matchups, things they've tendencies of the other team, things they've they've talked about in practice. He should be focusing on those things. Instead, he's focusing and thinking about what's going to happen to him and others after the game on the way home. How much better a player could he have been, in his words, if he had a coach that cared about him and cared about the team? Yeah. And and so you start to get a, a picture and it's an it's an easy line to draw of the damage that this causes, not just the short-term, uncomfortable, awful, enduring of this, this just absurdly disgusting things, but obviously the the long-term mental damage, but also the damage that this guy, this does to players' careers and their livelihoods. And, and who knows what some of these guys uh, could have become if it's a healthy environment, which is kind of a, coach's job what are your thoughts on that yeah I mean it it harkens back again to the Akeem Alou story um I think that you know it a very silly analogy but to really drive this home is that uh, you and I know this I think our listeners hear some of this it translates out but on game days our experience as media talking to players and coaches is very different than on a practice day Mm -hmm. uh ostensibly because it's respect for the focus that goes into preparing for the game. Um, we are not giving distraction. We are not talking about other things than what they need to focus on. If that is that important, right. think about the impact of real life shit, of yeah. abuse, of fear of your coach, of fear of your teammate. Um, and then put on top of that, like you said, of course, um, all of us in all walks of life are always trying to be better. We have goals beyond today, but when you're in your youth and you're trying to reach for really big goals and you know how important each little step is 
I, I mean, just to be cut off at the knees like that uh, just has to be devastating. Yeah. And to, to expect to play, to be expected to play and perform on the ice with these fellow players that are doing this stuff to you. Yep. Like you can't tell me that that is a, a full thriving experience either. Like, right. You, you don't want to see that player succeed. Right. You don't want to be part of that. You, you, you know, you don't want to be associated with that. You don't want him to help you on the ice. You don't want it to like, I can't imagine it. Yeah. It's uh, the rage that, that you could feel inside of Fritchie as he talks about this. It's still palpable years later. Um, yeah. I mean, and even think, think of the flip of that is, do you think that if you set up your teammate for a goal that maybe he'll go easier on you next time? And are you passing up your performance opportunities, your opportunities to shine, your opportunities to be better, to try and feed someone who's going to do awful things to you anyway? Yeah. Um, there's mind games like that as well. Yeah. And I, I want to get into this with this, uh, the sports psychiatrist. Like how can a cluster of veteran players have such control over 10, 12 rookies. Um, like in, in other words, it, it, and it is, it's the, you can't, you have to deal with this because the coach says it's okay. And if you don't, it's over. Right. So you have to deal with this, but it's amazing to me how that sort of mental dynamic takes place. It's classic bullying, classic yep. bullying. Yeah. Um, and Fritchie, you know, Fritchie says he's, he's doing well. He's, he's happy. He's got a happy family. He's got a good gig. He's basically the Ed Ginger of South Cleveland. <laughs> so this is a happy story. He's, he's the president and general manager of the Cleveland Junior Jacks, which is a AAA program in Cleveland. <clears throat> and I love the fact that he has a rule with his coaches. Um, one of the coaches, one of the coaches, one of the coaches under his domain is his father, by the way. And the other is his younger brother. Um, one of many, there's several other coaches as well, but it's a family affair. One of the rules he has with his coaches is if he hears belittling um, conduct with a coach, if he hears a, a coach taking the confidence away from a player, because this is a big thing with, with Dan Fritchie too. Like how much better a player could he have been if he had a, a coach that, reaffirmed him that that helped him uh feel confident and feel better this is a talented player dan fritchie this right. is a difference making player an exceptional player growing up um and was a pretty good nhl player um but not a dynamic nhl player that didn't come through in the nhl he was he was a checker he was a hard-working tough grinder type kid but how much of his game was left behind um, by this sort of lack of support, if you will. But he said he's fired two coaches already, not for, not for doing anything uh, beyond the, the line of, of what we're, we've talked about earlier, certainly nothing in the realm of abuse, um, physical or mental, but for coaches that he didn't feel were affirming to the players, that you're not building them up, you're breaking them down. And these are kids, these are 8 to 14-year-olds, like guys, Come on. Right. Right. Um, he's gotten rid of them. Like he just doesn't want it. And, and that, I, I think that's kind of where it starts too, by people 
by him speaking out for sure, this gets word out to people who would not have heard it otherwise. But by him taking that stand as a guy who's in charge of coaches, I think it's important as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, because I think, it, and again, this, this just, so much of this is manifestation of, of bigger <laughs> problems that are out there. But, you know, wh- honestly, this is just sports. It's yeah. just sports. And particularly at these lower levels, and, and, you know, I know there's stats out there for the NFL, for the NHL, but how many of these kids are legitimately going to be playing professional hockey someday, right? I mean, there's it. So let's just make it fun. Why are we doing this to kids who are just here to play hockey, connect them to the game, help them love the game and help them stick with it, regardless of where their path takes them? Because you're, you're not taking 20 children who are all needing to be at the most elite level because they're all going to be NHL players. It's just not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so why are we, I, I just, I, yeah. <laughs> and there is a, you see this in team sports, it's almost at an absurd level, like travel kids baseball. Right. Where they, they try to foster this thing of us against the world. Right. And the world is your family and your parents and everybody who's not on this team. Right. And nothing can leave this team. We have right. to have teams that only we, that only us as a group know about. And that, there's power in that. Now, I think there is, there is power to creating a family bond. But it doesn't have to be that stuff. It doesn't have to be – you don't have to create things that only you guys experience and know. Right. Like, that's going to occur as you, as you are a healthy team that moves along. I get the bonding, the, idea, the, the, the desire to bond a team together, to have experiences together – Hell, that's why teams go to Camp Mary Orton, right? Right, right. That's why they go and, and do things that are difficult to bring them together. But you can't tell me that when it gets to this crazy, what coach in his right mind allows it to get to this crazy level, thinking that this is somehow beneficial to the team, to the players, that this is what will toughen them up to, to be a man. How you can't see that this is so grossly damaging and and wrong just wrong on a human level forget the sports uh, nonsense attached to it it just isn't it just doesn't make anybody better why are you doing this why are you allowing this to happen um it's disturbing it's disturbing and it's so wrong and the fact that some of these people are still in charge of children on some level is unconscionable yeah and and i you know i think on one hand, you know, you, this is the space where usually what comes out is, well, this is how it's always been. Yes. Um, and, and, and I think we have to hear that though, right? Because I do think that's part of why this happens is that if you grow up in this system and if this is all you ever knew and you weren't strong enough or even thought it was right to speak up when it was happening to you, your job almost feels like it's your part to continue it not necessarily with malice, but because you are a go with the flow type of person. Yeah, and you're an old school guy. You're an old school guy. That's you right. Seen how it's done. Yeah. But, but this is, this is why even in corporate America, we hear the concept whistleblower because this happens all over the place. It yes. is a big deal. It is a big ask for someone to step up and say, 
first of all, I'm going to go against the grain here. And by the way, I'm going to say something bad, which is immediately going to put people on the defensive. So we have to hear the argument and understand the cultural impacts of go with the flow, be a company guy, be an old school guy, be a team player, um, all of those things. But again, this is where we have to challenge ourselves as individuals and in every day to, to make sure that we're doing what we can to do what's right. And, and if we're not, ultimately, you're borderline culpable, if not very culpable directly. Yeah. yeah. It just pisses me off, too, because, again, there will be people who will read this and Carcilla's stuff and, and bemoan the fact that, that players aren't tough anymore. Right? Totally. And totally. Like, good God. Like, this is not no one, no one is, no one should be deemed tough uh, who deserves to put up with some of the shit that these kids put up with. Totally. It's inhumane. And totally. It, it, uh, God, God willing, Dan Fritchie and, and others coming forward. And, and Allison, just from reporting on this, I've gotten the sense several players from the Sarnia Sting team have stepped forward already. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more to come apparently. And I can't imagine this is a Sarnia, Ontario problem exclusively. We know that it isn't. Oh, no way. Because, because, and, and Dan touched on this a little bit, you know, about why he wanted to be on different teams, but at at the base level as well, I mean, in the CHL, particularly when, when teams are going into that Memorial cup push, there's a lot of inner team trades. So if, if this was only happening on one team, you would have to think that players who go to the one team compared to all the other teams are like, holy hell, what is going on here? That's not the case, which means this is a lot deeper than just the Sarnia sting. Yeah. And so hopefully this is a a much needed, and I, you know, I, I think people with the Canadian hockey league, I do believe that they went to Sarnia and investigated that year and did the best they can. It you're you're asking the same kids who are trapped in this abuse because they can't say anything because they don't feel anyone will trust them. You're asking them to tell you what's going on and they can't. It's for the same reason they haven't said anything before. Uh, and so people, people get away with it. I, it's, if we can sort of create a glide path here for people to feel comfortable coming forward and saying, yeah, here's my experience. And I think this can only help, only help uh, players and certain, even the league. My God, again, I just think of, of all the Fritchies and all the damage done to their careers, their games, their, their bigger than that, their lives, that, that what would they be if they hadn't endured that and they deserve better and, and the game deserves better. That was another Fritchie point. This is too good a game to be dragged down and caught up in all of this shit. See, I'm not, I'm not as willing to let the CHL off the hook like that. Um, again, I point to what happened in, at Michigan State. Yep. Uh, there were numerous documented instances of pl- athletes going to administration that were summarily dismissed. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that happens. And I also think a big piece of fixing this isn't just being willing to identify and agree but how do we address it properly? 
perhaps the CHL did investigate it. Perhaps the CHL did hear these things were happening and they, well, all that surmounted to was, Hey, don't do that again. And that was it. Yeah. Because perhaps. maybe, they, perhaps, perhaps. Be, but maybe they, but I don't think, I don't think many people period, let alone in sport, let alone in hockey truly are equipped or know when this happens, what do you do? Yeah. What, yeah. How, how do you, how do you address the offenders? How do you repair the culture? How do you repair the affected? We don't have those answers and we have to have those answers too. But I'm, I'm, and this, I, this is not about slamming the league, but I think that when this goes on this long, because this is how hockey is, is that some of those people who are in the league, quote unquote, used to play on those teams. So it, everyone has to be better. No one is blameless in this. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was more equating the CHL to Sarnia as more like the NCAA would be to Penn state. Yeah. But I mean, again, <laughs> yeah. And not absolving anybody here, but it's to me, it's part of the, the, the trapped culture. Maybe they don't sure. want to know, but sure. also a guy in a suit that you don't know walks in and says, so tell me, is everything okay? If you don't feel comfortable, um, fighting it, talking about it, what's going on, you're certainly not going to open up to that guy. For sure. Do you believe that guy's going to make it better? You know, and part of that, it's the culture you create as well. For sure. Um, it's like being bullied at school. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is go tell your parents because your parents are going to go to school and all the things you've been called on the playground and, um, and beaten up for, you're this, you're that, you're that, and now you go and you run to your mommy and daddy, right? Yeah. Yep. It's the trap. It's the trap that kids are felt to, to uh, taught to believe that they're in. And Fritchie felt trapped. Am I, am I, am I going to, this is my draft year. I'm going to leave this team. Think of the things people are going to say about me. He's not tough enough to take it. Right. right. So if a, if a strange man in a suit comes in and says, tell me everything you got kid. Oh, I'm not going there either. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's just so awful. It's so awful. And I hope, I know Dan, Dan Fritchie hopes more than anything that, that his, cause this isn't something he wants to talk about. If you know anything about Dan Fritchie, this is not his, he's just not a media darling. He doesn't want to be. And I don't mean that as a shot. It's just right. not his desire. He is a hard work guy. Let's get down to the brass taxes here for him to step forward like this. I hope it, it, it creates the change. And I, I believe that it will. Um, Oof. So again, we're gonna we're we're gonna keep talking about this. There will be more stories. I know it's not easy, um, but it, it, I do think it's something that that uh, is important to uh, to tackle or try to. And again, on Tuesday's show, we're hoping to have a sports psychiatrist. And if, if you're listening to this and you are a parent um, of a kid that plays sports and, and plays on a team, any team, really any club, it doesn't have to be a team, any club where there's adults in charge and, and they have control over that kid's future college scholarships, you name it. This could be an important podcast. So we hope to do it justice. Um, Allison, a couple other points we need to get to um, almost actual hockey, <laughs> which is uh, nice. Um, a transaction this week for the blue jackets, sort of um, it's technically for next year, but uh, Jakob Lilia apparently is signing with the KHL for a year. Um, kind of feels like Lucas Sedlak a couple years ago, does it, or a year ago, does it, does it not this, this guy I think is reading the tea leaves and saying, I played quite a bit. 
they've also had a chance to look at some depth. They've got guys on the way. I don't like my chances to be an impact player here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to a place where I can be an impact player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I think, you know, Columbus is an organization that, that is very um, accepting of doing this, of, of taking flyers, if you will, on, on, you know, guys who and giving them a one-year deal, seeing if it fits. Uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And I think it's exactly what you said. And, and it, it, the very best to Jacob Lilia so that he can continue to play as much as he wants to play too, if this isn't the spot for him. Yeah. 37 games. That surprised me. I didn't realize he played that many 37 games, two, three, five, uh, two PIMS decent player, but I, I think he's making the right call here. I don't, I, I didn't get the sense that he was going to be even a top nine guy. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure where he fits on this team. Um, I think he's making the right call. And Allison, I, I know you were a big fan of Sedlak. I mean, we all were. I'm not yeah. disparaging Lucas Sedlak. But he, hang on a second here. Come on, uh, computer spin. Lucas Sedlak, KHL this year, 23 goals. I know. Look at this. This yep. guy. Yep. I mean, he had 15 goals in 162 NHL games, and he pops in 23 in 57 games in Chelyabinsk, 40 points, had a really good year. Also had 80 pims, a little prick. I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean, and I, I do, I do think even in this comparison, I think Sedlak's ceiling, even in North America was a little higher um, than oh. Lilia's. And I think that, uh, I think that Sedlak maybe has more breadth to his game. Uh, Lilia wants to be a bit more of, I think, offensively minded. And to your point, where he was going to slot and in the lineup is maybe not as good of a match. Um, yeah. I, I also think, you know, unfortunately I think there are two at the end, you know, Sedlak would get his game going and then he got hurt and then he'd lose his spot in the lineup. Right. I mean, think back to that Pittsburgh series when John Tortorella is talking about how important Lucas Sedlak is to the team yeah. and he's out with injury. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the, and that happens to so many players, but I think that between the timing and then, you know, you're not there and someone else takes your spot. But, um, yeah, we'll miss Lucas Sedlak. He's a good egg. Uh, Jakob Lilly was to be an RFA after this season. Uh, curious to see if the Blue Jackets will qualify him to keep his rights. Right. So that's something to watch. I, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think. But, but uh, something to watch. Uh, and one other tidbit. This happened Monday? When are, what are days anymore, Allison? <laughs> Um, Blue Jackets ruled out as a hub city. This is something that had been percolating for a couple of weeks. Um, I think the communications sort of slowed greatly from the league to the city, which made people think, and which made people think this probably isn't going to be. Um, so Columbus is out as a hub city. It looks like Vegas, and a for, it looks like Vegas is going to happen, and then Vancouver slash. Oh, sorry, is it Edmonton, Toronto? Right, are the two most likely uh, candidates to be one of the Canadian cities that is a hub. Um, you know, I this is a weird thing because the, the whole time you're sort of tracking it down and writing about it, you're going, well, "Who? I mean, who really cares where the games are if they're in empty arenas?" What I care about and what people in Columbus, I think, cared about was what 600-plus hotel nights sure. could do for the city. 100%. What 
600 meals and restaurants around the arena could do for the city. And so in that sense, for the businesses here locally that were hit, have been hit and are continuing to get hit uh, so hard by this, the, co- the uh, coronavirus, that's a kick in the teeth. But your thoughts, Allison, on Columbus being a finalist but not being a hub city? Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, that was my priority as well. Um, that was the real reason to want to uh, a city to be a hub city. And I think if you want to to go this route with it too, I think from a hockey perspective, it's it's nice to show off your city to a bunch of top players um, yeah. who'd be staying there. And, and, and I don't think Columbus is, and we've talked about this, when players are traveling during the season, a city doesn't really register with them when they're in and out in 48 hours. But let people see what Columbus might be um, bigger than perhaps perception. Um, but, but I, and I have said this and, and at the risk of sounding like a Homer, I, I will legitimately be curious. I would love to hear more of an explanation because I did think Columbus was a really nice fit based on what they were saying they wanted. Um, and I was surprised to be honest that they were one of the first to be told no, given who else was on the list. I get the Canada thing totally makes sense to me, but, I certainly thought that Columbus was perhaps more appealing than um, Dallas, than LA um, for a variety of reasons. So I, I would just love to someday know um, what the, what the pros and cons were that, that led to Columbus being not just eliminated, but being eliminated perhaps earlier than others. Yeah. And I didn't understand the, I didn't understand the process of eliminating either. That's like right. Right. Just announce where it's going. That's right. Staggered, <laughs> and I also think Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh announced the day later that they were out too. I, I think some of these. I think they may have been several teams may have been notified at once. Yeah, and just chose to announce it, or the news got out earlier in some markets than it did in others. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and in the other sense that I got was that the first bids for this, in other words, when the league asked teams and cities to, to explain why they should be the hub cities. That was all about safety. It was mm-hmm. all about how we can handle it. Um, what our place looks like, the transportation required, right. yada, yada. There was clearly something else within the last couple of weeks that was, all right, sell us on how cool it could be. Mm-hmm. And so you had like these follow-up bids where teams were like, oh yeah, well we'll 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 create a 700 yard stretch of the beach that's only for the players, right? Uh, in Los Angeles, we'll we'll buy this this hotel in Las Vegas that has 11 restaurants in it. We're going to close the whole damn thing to everybody except the NHL. So you've got 11 restaurants, you've got the hotel. You don't need to leave. Everybody gets a presidential suite at this hotel in Vegas. Like so, right. they're right. selling it. And that's where Columbus, so they, you know, the Hilton's a nice hotel. It's got 530 rooms in it. They still would need a second hotel here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure the players were, were that excited about staying in a Hilton and walking to a rink and that being the limit of it. I think, and it may be shallow because I really don't know what the hell else you're going to be able to do during this time. Right. But they, they and I get the sense the players are voting on this and making uh, their own feelings heard about this. So Toronto or Edmonton and it looks like Vegas will be the hub cities. Again, not that it matters. The last question I have is if it's Toronto and actually, you know what, no matter, well, if it's Toronto, do they put the Western teams in Toronto because they've said they don't want teams having a home ice advantage. However, 
that is mitigated by there not being fans? Do they put the East out in the West? Think of the chaos that would create with time zones and game start times. Um, my, my, I don't know. Yeah, I, I listen. I just as as I said when it was a Columbus possibility. I didn't care if Columbus played in Columbus. I don't care if Toronto plays in. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I just it's like, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and this is not going to be perfect. It's not going right. to be without flaws. It's not going to be without positive COVID tests. Right. Continuing, it's not. Uh, it's just a. It's going to determine. It's going to be determined by what kind of stomach the league has uh, to endure this right. and right. what they feel is right. The players are going to have a say in it. Um, Allison. Good to be with you as always. Indeed. Indeed. We will talk on Tuesday. Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, I know it's not an easy topic, but uh, appreciate it. I think it's an important one. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.